All right, welcome everyone. It's Bill Scream Radio, episode 26. Uh, we are in a unique configuration this time. Everyone's moving different directions. They're in different states and time zones than they were previously. Um, and we're also having new guests on the show um, who may have made um, temporary appearances, but now we're here for full episodes. So we have uh, Jim and Mandy here, but hey. also, <laughs> yeah, but we also have Dennis. Dennis, say hi. Hi. And Jackie, returning guest. Hi. Okay. So, good to have everyone here. Uh, Alex couldn't make it. Alex had way more important things to do. He's too far away from us right now to be (laughs) even remotely capable of getting within arm's distance of a fucking microphone. He just couldn't make it happen. Um, So, we really applaud him for his efforts to get on the fucking podcast and do his fucking job. But... um, you know, uh, that's how the way that's the way life goes sometimes. So, uh, the episode we wanted to do today uh, was inspired by uh, really Jackie talking the last or a couple episodes ago, talking about her experiences working at two different, uh, one family-owned and one chain restaurant as a server and as a hostess. Um, Alex and I both thought that was like really revelatory and kind of like jaw-dropping and some of the stupid shit that they have to put up with as servers. So that combined with seeing some news headlines about how the restaurant industry is really struggling to add new workers, to hire back old workers, to get people to come back and really to operate full capacity as these COVID-19 restrictions are being lifted and we're trying to return to normal as people get vaccinated. Um, Now, depending on what news source you're looking at, that it's from the point of view of someone who's actually concerned about human well-being and, and dignity and making a living wage in this country. And they're saying like, yeah, they're, they're raising wages. This is good for workers. But really, if you're like Wall Street Journal or Financial Times or something, they're saying like, yeah, we just we have no idea why people can't get these people to come back to work. And we have no idea why that we can't operate full capacity. We have to keep pushing back our grand reopenings. We can't add stores or businesses. We can't expand our business. We're really... Uh, having a hard time and we just have no idea gee, golly gee no fucking clue why this could be and uh pillow scream radio heard that and thought to themselves like well we could probably answer that question but uh alex and jim who do not have experience in the restaurant industry um were thinking that as in the military um the way combat experience makes you uh that, that means that everything you say really matters. People really want to hear the war stories. We said, well, you know what? We don't have the war stories of the restaurant industry, so let's go find people who do have the war stories of the restaurant industry. Do you have industry. war stories of the war? <laughs> yeah, the war on COVID. <laughs> They're going to give me a little badge with a wreath around it, and it's just going to be a little COVID virus symbol. But anyways, um, that's pending approval from Secretary Lloyd Austin. Um, I haven't gotten calls back. I call about three times a day, but we'll see if that gets approved. Um, anyways, the war stories from the restaurant industry. We have uh, everyone except me on this podcast right now is a, a veteran of the restaurant industry to some extent. Um, so if we could real quick just go around the circle and talk about where you worked without without being specific or anything, um, where you worked for how long um, and what jobs you held while you were there so well i have worked in many restaurants from small town in texas to big town in texas to 
Times Square, New York City. Um, and, you know, some I really enjoyed and some I really, really, really didn't. Um, all of them come with, uh, you know, uh, a certain through line of certain things you're going to have to deal with and um, experience while you're on the clock. So how many years is that total? Mm, well, I guess probably 10 years. Yeah, after I'm uh-huh. just before or when I was legally able to work was when I got my first restaurant job. Roger that. Thank you for your service. Cool. Um, Jackie, how about you? Uh, so I've worked in the restaurant industry for about four years, uh, starting when I was 16. And I worked at a chain restaurant that was particularly miserable and a family owned restaurant, which had its own downfalls. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, there were definitely things that I liked about both jobs, but not near enough to uh, outweigh the horrors of it all. <laughs> We're up to 14 combined years. Mandy, how about you? Well, I guess I, I'm a lot less than them because I only did two. But uh, yeah, I was more involved with the child care industry, big child care, whatever you want to say, before I went into the, the restaurant industry. And I, let's see. Child care for very <laughs> large children. <laughs> right. uh, my first one was in DC and there I was a server and then I moved to Atlantic City and there I dealt with the scum of the earth and I'm not talking about my aunts and uncles and then uh I went to another cafe in Colorado so well in Atlantic City I was working at two at the same time so I guess combined I worked in four different restaurants and they all sucked in different ways you know uh what's the uh What's the quote in like uh, Anna Karenina where he's like happy families? <laughs> I don't know if it's Anna Karenina where he's like happy families are all the same, but like miserable families are all unique and how miserable they are. I don't know. I'm not good with Bible verses. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So we've got various, various experiences, amount of time, familiarity with uh, the restaurant industry, but the articles that I was talking about, there's one that I pulled from the Wall Street Journal uh, dated June 25th of like, you know, so what, a week ago, a little more than a week ago, as they talk about this, uh, it would kind of betray what their average income level is and who they think they're writing to, when, the way they write about this. So the title of this is, Restaurants and Supermarkets Can't Find Enough Workers to Open New Locations. Subtitle is, Higher Costs for Pay and Benefits Weigh on Operations Threaten to Limit Growth. Which is, of course, like that's, you know, that's, oh, no, not limit growth, you know, nothing but that. And the cost of pay, that's an interesting phrase to me. But so in the middle of the article, it says this grocery and restaurant executives say expanded unemployment benefits and federal stimulus checks, stimulus checks are making it harder to find people willing to work at their stores. Surveys have shown some people say they aren't working because they worry about spreading or contracting COVID-19. These concerns are acute in restaurants and supermarkets where workers are indoors and interact with customers and colleagues who, in many cases, aren't wearing masks as vaccination rates climb and companies relax the rules. Some companies say potential workers are staying out of the job market for now because of concerns about the safety of working in public during the pandemic or childcare duties. Uh, the worst of the labor crunch could prove temporary. 
enhanced and extended unemployment benefits end nationwide in September, and some states are stopping them sooner. Many schools and daycare centers are expected to fully reopen by fall, allowing parents to return to work, and with vaccines widely available, more Americans could feel comfortable working outside their homes. For now, food executives say higher costs for pay and benefits, as well as the hassle of deploying existing staff to new stores, are weighing on operations, potentially preventing them from grabbing more sales. Um, these folks are basically explaining uh, the lack of interest in returning to work in a restaurant by saying it's um, unemployment and stimulus checks. And they're saying that they're worried about contracting COVID-19 or they have childcare duties. Um, so what do you all think about that? Like, what would you say in like kind of broad strokes, the real reason is people are not willing to return um, to the restaurant industry. Do you see any of these, their claims as accurate? Well, I think that, you know, having a year off from not having to work in the restaurant industry maybe just gives people pause to go back because they haven't had to deal with customers or anything like that for a while. But it also could be that uh, servers get paid $2.25 an hour. So I guess if you know people are asking to receive pay from their employer for their labor instead of their the customers that are tipping um i suppose having to take on any cost to pay for your labor where you are not used to having to do that would be such a strain and the you know ceo of applebee's can't buy another ferrari this year (laughs) for his 16 year old you know for their birthday so we can't have that we just can't Yeah, no, there's definitely like, you can do a lot when it's the norm, like when you're used to doing it. And it's like, it's a lot easier when it's, you expect it every day, but then you have time off and it's like, oh, that's miserable. And I actually don't want to spend my time doing that. And I don't want to work in bad conditions with people that mistreat me regularly for the bare minimum. I agree. I think that a lot of times in the restaurant industry, a lot of my coworkers, or I've been in the position myself where you just get so into the groove of working till 1030 or midnight and then having to be there the next day and pull another double or whatever it is that you, you know, you just tell yourself, I don't have time to think about it. But after taking, I I mean, I myself went a whole year without working uh, from March to March of 2020 to 2021 and um, I did go back, but it was because I received a vaccination and I was ready to go back to work and because the state of Texas uh, revoked all of the unemployment they had paid me. Wait, like Re- took it revoked back? Revoked all the unemployment. Oh, yeah. Asked us to pay it back. That's okay. fucked um, with a capital I don't F. Know how that works. There were other people that worked at the same restaurant as I that were receiving benefits and did have to pay them back while they were still claiming unemployment from the state of Texas. They had to pay back like almost $7,000 each. Kokisi is a hardworking single mother raising two young boys, 11-year-old Jaden and 13-year-old Jalen. She was a retail supervisor at Bush Intercontinental Airport until mid-March when she lost her job due to the pandemic. I've been working at this company for five years. This is my bread and butter. This is how I make my income. So we're just sitting here in a state of shock pretty much. 
Right away, Kokisi applied for and started getting unemployment benefits. She began receiving 258 bucks a week from the TWC and shortly thereafter an additional $600 through the CARES Act for a total of 858 bucks a week. But suddenly on June 7th, those unemployment checks stopped coming. It said that you have been overpaid unemployment benefits. We cannot pay you benefits until the overpayment is paid. Kokisi was told she'd been overpaid $1,092 back in 2017 and $3,096 in 2020 for a total overpayment of over $4,000. I'm angry. I'm pissed. <laughs> I want to scream. I'm losing hope. Jesus Christ. Which is how much, how, like a, a month's pay is that? Is that like in in measuring that? Is it like one and a half months' pay total? That... I would say I make about seven thousand dollars in an hour or two with these <laughs> tables usually. No, that's like um, maybe okay. two months. I would say about two months' pay. Yeah, about two months' pay. Okay. My thoughts on this differ a little bit because I've still been living large off that twelve hundred dollars, so that's why I haven't gone back. <laughs> so the stimulus check helped. Yeah, it did. It did. I mean, I got every stimulus check and it did help, but I still work. I mean, I, I don't think that it's that people are like, oh, I'm doing so well on this very small basic income check that I'm getting from the government. Like, I'm balling. I'm just never going to go back. I mean, I think that it mentioned it in the article that people are afraid to return to work because of COVID concerns. And to that, I just say, you know, go and get your vaccine. But you know, I guess some people have an issue with that or whatever. Mm -hmm. Not my business. Yeah, no, the the restaurant that I worked at, the family owned one was the one that I was working at most recently. And they asked me to come back in like, it was way before the vaccine ever came out. It was probably like May of 2020. And I said no, because I was like, it's in a very conservative area. And I knew no one was going to wear a mask. And I knew no one was going to be careful. And I knew that I'd be the only one wearing the mask. And I've been singled out in that restaurant so many times in the time that I worked there for my political ideologies. And I was like, no, that's not a healthy work environment. And I'm not going to go back if I don't have to. And I luckily, I didn't have to. I had another job that was that I was able to get back to soon after that. Yeah. And the real reason, like the only reason I'm not working, I guess, in like the restaurant industry now is because I'm like working in healthcare. So <laughs> it's just um, difficult in other ways. I mean, I'm sure that that is the case with many people. I mean, they were off for whatever amount of time. For instance, I got my real estate license over that time, and then I realized I hated it. So <laughs> I went back to the restaurant. And, um, I mean, I can't imagine that I was the only person who was like, I'm going to take this time off to get something to do other than a restaurant job, you know? And... People don't want to do that for their whole lives because you don't get benefits. You don't get anything other. I mean, the way I see it is I go into work and I clock in, but with the way that the income tax works and me getting paid $2, whatever, an hour, I don't get any money from my employer on my paycheck. All of my money comes to me from my tips from the customers that I see. And I've managed restaurants managers make less money than servers everybody makes less money than servers i mean at least the restaurant that i work at and 
it doesn't really make any sense for me to be like beholden to my boss, I guess, because my boss isn't paying me. I'm paid by the tables that I go and I give good service and everyone has a good time. You know, I like to be a good server. I like to do a good job. Um, and I don't feel that that the money that I do make, I think I do make good money for someone my age. I make more than most of my friends who've graduated from college and that's not from my boss. That's not from my employer. I don't get benefits, you know, like that works for me, but I can totally see where that does not work for a bunch of other people. Right. Like if you have like kids and stuff like that, like how do you swing it with no benefits? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's not sustainable. Because I said, I, you know, I said I make good enough money, but that doesn't mean that I make enough money to support a family. I make enough money to support myself and that's it. Yeah. I'm tied to the larger trend of people putting off, settling down, starting a family, having kids, any of those things that's like happening later and later. If I can ask the question about COVID risk, like did that happen? I mean, obviously once the vaccine's available, you can say like get your vaccine, quit being an anti-vaccine weirdo, um, just go get the shot. But when COVID was, like it was in full swing and there was not a vaccination available for it, what was life like there? Were they pressuring you to do things that put you in close contact with people in COVID risky ways? For me, yeah. Happen? Yeah. Well, I mean, I worked on a COVID unit before there was a vaccine taking care of COVID patients, so. Thank you for your service. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Just, hey, um, you're an essential worker. I want to thank you <laughs> by having the president use that word a lot, essential, but without any, you know, restitution. Yeah, I got a, I saw a bumper sticker. Financial rewards. Yeah, that's good. Well, I saw there's a billboard by I-35 that says we heart our healthcare workers, so don't say you didn't get anything. <laughs> yeah, the little couple of kids, like, wrote, like, uh, card saying thank you really nice i'm sure a bunch of people were sending <laughs> their thoughts and prayers yeah yes <laughs> but no for you guys how was it i mean did they like did they try to force you to come back i know jackie said that they uh they were pressuring you to yeah they were they were definitely pressuring me too i had already had another job i was working both of them like whenever i had time so the other job um was it was in a healthcare clinic as well so i was off from that job for a few months and then they asked me to come back to this family-owned restaurant and i said no and then about a month later i got back to that clinic and there were i mean because it's a healthcare clinic i was dealing with like bodily fluids and it's like no one in that clinic cared about covid no one cared about it. And, like, they still don't. To this day, I'm the only person that still wears a mask. Like, no one wears a mask in this clinic anymore. And it's like, okay. <laughs> so I definitely don't feel the most safe. I have been vaccinated, but, like, I don't know. For me, there's still a 5% chance. And that's kind of enough to deter me from wanting to, like, mingle air with these other people. <laughs> like, and I know I had been back to this restaurant um I had never, I've never gone inside since I left a, over a year ago um, be, for that exact reason. I don't want to be around those people that I know don't care about it and don't take it seriously enough. But I have been outside of it to pick things up, like to pick up to-go orders and whatever. And um, I've seen the employees inside, like people in the kitchen, not wearing masks and not wearing gloves, like not even having their hair tied back. Like this is like going going back to just like health standards pre-COVID, it's not a healthy environment in that way either. 
It's not clean at all. And that isn't uncommon either. Yeah, I, think. I was going to say the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my experience anyway, and I wasn't asked to come back. Um, I said, I think it was March 15th of 2020. I was like, y'all can catch me when this is all cleared up. I'm out, you know, and I stopped working. Um, it was great. A little early retirement, (laughs) but, um, once I did go back and I, I know that this was the case the whole time that I was gone. Um, it was like, yeah, like the state of Texas kind of, I guess, says that you're supposed to wear a mask. I don't know. They were a little loosey-goosey on that. But um, it was like, but don't tell anybody if they're not wearing a mask. Don't say anything to them, you know, because. And honestly, I don't want to get into it because half, half, more than half the people that are walking around without a mask got a look on their face like they're like, what? You know, yeah, I'm not wearing a mask. Like, <laughs> okay, like I, it's... <laughs> get it just get away from me like no yeah they're like daring you to challenge um, them yes and i'm like i don't really need to to challenge you i just think you're a dumbass but jackie you're right uh i the kitchen workers weren't wearing masks and same i mean just the general hygiene is it's almost as if the owners of the restaurant would prefer to invest more money and time and energy in the front of house and just tend to forget about the back of house. And I think that that creates like a really big um, disparity between, I mean, I'll walk out from a shift with like $300 in cash that I get to take home, like a five, six hour shift is not unusual. And the people in the kitchen are making like $12, $13 an hour. And they're the one who's doing all the work. All I was doing was like fake smiling at some old people and like bringing them drinks on time. It's and remembering what they want. It's like not really all that difficult. And I don't know. I just think that um, as a server, we were put kind of at risk, I guess, certainly at risk with being face to face with people especially people who were not wearing masks and it wasn't really enforced. But um, it's really more the people who work in the kitchen and like that hot air that doesn't circulate really well and they're all in close quarters. I think those were the people who were really taking a bigger risk. So the COVID risk is, that's interesting to me. Like I didn't know it was, I don't know, just again, revelatory. Um, War stories. The... Next question I had was you guys were talking about mistreatment, um, which not necessarily COVID related, but um, I think Jackie, you specifically had mentioned it. Is that mistreatment at the hand or like by customers or by managerial staff or by gen- general manager or the owner or like All what, of what kind above. of mistreatment is that? Yeah, everyone. I mean, yeah, I no, I had uh, some mistreatment from managers. I actually there was an incident with a regional manager when I worked at um the chain restaurant and she came in and Mm -hmm. it was like horrifying for every single person she made me cry when i was like 16 17 she made me cry in dry storage for like three times throughout that shift and i was like great this is like i'm i'm just being like berated it's not even a productive it's it's not productive at all to to do things that way i had co-workers mistreat me um i had some customers get 
I mean, okay, customers are like 50% of the time they mistreat you, right? Like that's part of the job. That's like everyone, you know, the customer's always right mentality. Um, that's what, that's where it all gets fucked up. But some customers just take it to the next level. Like customers that, especially if you work at a place that serves alcohol, customers that get like overly touchy or just like straight up sexual harassment, coworkers that are fond of sexual harassment um, and no one cares. Like I, I, there were multiple times that things happened and I told my coworkers cause like they were people that I trusted and they were all like, Oh, you should be flattered. Oh, that's so nice. Like, Oh, he was just drunk. And it was like, that's disgusting. I hope you seek help because that's not at all what this is. Like, like I feel violated and that's not okay for me to be in this workplace feeling like that and to not feel protected by managers or by coworkers. Like, there's no one that's going to stick up for you in those situations. Um, and that's one of the dangers of that, too, especially as a, as a young woman working in that kind of field. Mm-hmm. Especially at a younger age. There have been so many times I've witnessed some 50-something-year-old, 60-something-year-old man just, like, full volume screaming at a 16-year-old host I'm like, sir, I don't know where you think that you are, but you're yelling at someone else's child. Like, you're going to have to wait 35 minutes for your table. It's not that serious. People, I think that particularly, you know, me, I'm, I'm of a certain age now where if someone gets an attitude with me, I'm kind of like, yeah, whatever, you know, not not too big of a deal but there are teenagers that are in high school working at restaurants and cafes and people just mistreat them it's like yeah maybe they messed up your order they are thinking about the algebra homework that they have due tomorrow chill out it's you're out to dinner you should be in a good mood if you are pissed off that you're at the restaurant then maybe you should go and relax at your house or something because the way yeah the way that people and particularly men of a certain age men of a certain drinking habit to young women working in a restaurant it is uh disgusting and incredibly prevalent daily yeah absolutely did they do the uh the regional manager that came to visit you and just like berated you. Have you ever seen Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross? No. The one where Alec Baldwin comes in and just berates all the real estate agents and he's like, no coffee for you. Coffee's for closers. And he's just like this big corporate asshole berating these like normal people that are like, it's, I'm, it's late. I want a cup of coffee. Like, fuck off. Are they all here? All but one. Well, I'm going anyway. Let's talk about something important. Put that coffee down coffee's for closers only (laughs) you think I'm fucking with you I am not fucking with you I'm here from downtown I'm here from Mitch and Murray and I'm here on a mission of mercy a lot of the times, those managers in the chain restaurant, I worked actually at Bubba Gum Shrimp on, uh, in Times Square in New York City, believe it or not, for about four shifts. <laughs> and I said, if I have to come in here one more time, I'm going gonna, 
I'm going to kill myself. Like, <laughs> I can't do it. You would go in, you would work like a nine-hour shift, and you would leave with like $82. Great. Great. But in those situations, a lot of the time, there is this manager that comes and is like the face of all evil. But it's because their boss is telling them, oh, we were, you know, $10,000 short last month. You have to go and figure out about this savings because their boss is telling them and their boss is run by the board of directors. And there's a bunch of people who've never eaten at Baba Gump Shrimp who just have ownership in the, uh, the holding company. And so it doesn't really matter what you, the host who's making minimum wage, if you have to go cry in the walk-in, actually does because that's a waste of company time. <laughs> you know, like, that's all they really care about. It doesn't matter about if the customer had good food or especially not if the employees had a good ship. That's, like, the last last thing on their minds. My experience, though, I work in a... Uh, small family-owned restaurant similar to yours Jackie not in all <laughs> ways and I actually do enjoy it because like I said I do have a good personal connection with the owners and they tend to lean on the side of the employee is usually right they trust us to um say if someone was being inappropriate and there are actually many customers who have been permanently banned and there is nothing I love hearing more than that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. So every now and then a little justice. I guess that sounds good. I mean, has there ever been uh, like a really satisfying experience where someone just gets like their fucking like, anyway, they would say the pee pee slap, but you know, like <laughs> um, uh, really just like getting told what's what in a very satisfying way and told to fuck off. Has that happened? What? You have a story? Once for me. Oh, yeah. Um, I guess when I was walking home from one of the cafes I worked at in Atlantic City, I still had like the shirt on that had the name of the place. And uh this guy like stopped me and he's like, Oh, where's that place? Like, oh, I'd like to like go. And I'm like, Yeah, whatever, it's up the street, like this and that. And then the next day, like he shows up at the cafe <laughs> and um I was, like, really shocked. I, I, like, kind of started getting a lot of anxiety. So I, like, went in the back, and I told, like, the um, manager, and she told the guy to get out. So that's one. But on the nice. flip side, at the other place I worked in Atlantic City, which was, like, a the ice cream shop, basically. Um, but they had, like, food, too. It was kind of like a, a grill and chill, like Dairy Queen grill and chill, but not a chain. And... <laughs> I had just started working there. I didn't know how to do anything like on the like food side. And this like older guys berating me like, oh, the mustard's empty. The mustard's empty. And I'm like, oh, okay, like I'll take care of it. Like this and that. I'm asking like people for help, asking the manager, like, I don't even know where you keep the stuff to fill this. Like, can somebody please help me? Like, and everybody's just like, oh, ask somebody else, ask somebody else. So after like the third time that this guy yells at me, I literally just walked over clocked out, took my apron off, and never went back to work there. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's but awesome. Later, the the boss called me like and left me a voicemail message where he was like because he knew I was a veteran. He was like, it is so hilarious to me. I wish I still had this message. But he was like, 
if you were in battle, would you just leave your troops like this when you were charging the hill? Like, <laughs> stupid wow, shit like your that. troops. It's like, no. <laughs> oh my God. This man needs his muster. Yeah. And you're just gonna fucking leave. Yeah. Oh Worth God. it. That's incredible. Oh my wow. God. Um, so yeah, we mentioned it on the that episode that you were on, Jackie, but you mentioned uh, the customer's always right. It's like a really damaging mentality. Like, how satisfying is the line, the customer's always wrong as a policy? Is that, because like, that sounds like an episode title. It just hit me. No, that's, that's fantastic. It feels so good to hear those words because like, since when does the customer know anything about the fucking menu? When do they know anything about what we offer and what we don't and what when we change the prices? Like, no, they're not always right. Just because you didn't read the section on the menu doesn't mean I'm going to say, like, okay, sure, I'll give that to you. Like, that's not fair. And that's stupid. Like, my part of my job is knowing what's going on. And customers will get angry if I don't know what's going on, if I don't know every side that might come with their meal, if, like, God forbid, I forget something. But the second they fall through, they don't know everything about the restaurant, everything the way that they want it, then it's this huge issue. And the server's the one that gets the blame. And, like, they'll ask for a manager to come in and talk about it. And the manager is sometimes obliged to tell the customer like I understand we're gonna make this right for you but that's not how it should be like it should be a safe place for employees but that doesn't make it a safe place for employees it makes it a place where you can be verbally attacked and it's okay it's like been normalized to this acceptable behavior that's part of having a good experience going out like if you just treated everyone like a person I know that's a crazy idea, but like, stay with me here. If you treated people like actual human beings, you're going to get better fucking service. Like, <laughs> since when has being an asshole ever gotten you better service? I mean, I... I agree. Yeah, I, um, I know that I deserve respect. And I expect my customers to treat me with respect as I treat them with respect. You know, if I walk up and I'm like, hi, how are you doing? And you say, actually, oh, oh there was, uh, I do have a good story. He didn't um, get kicked out or anything. He's just an idiot. He ran for congressman in Texas. <laughs> um, real short, very short man. He's like, uh, like five foot one or something. That's not pathetic. that short. I actually used to work at Starbucks. And he would come in when I was 17, nasty, evil. I mean, he's like the attitude of a real mean six-year-old girl or something. <laughs> it is disgusting. And he comes in to Starbucks. It's Starbucks. It's Starbucks. You're not at the Neiman Marcus Cafe. He's like, I need it in a ceramic mug. And you have to heat it first. And if you don't do it exactly right, he will come up. And he wears lifted boots, like two <laughs> or three. So during his campaign time, he made such an impression on me when I worked at Starbucks, which was prior to working at the restaurant that I work at now. And he um, comes in. At, he was meeting this older couple who were so sweet I was waiting on them and they were there before him and they were just so nice and talking to me and you know I don't normally stand and talk with my tables because I think the most important thing is just getting things right and done quickly right if they want to talk I will but I'm not gonna like start conversation up with people because that's not what I like when I go to the restaurant um 
but they were talking with me. And who walks in but hopeful congressman um, with his lifted boots and all. And he comes and sits down at the table and... I am like, oh, hi, sir. You know, obviously I recognize who he was. I wouldn't have taken the table if he had arrived first. I would have made a different server take it because I don't want to wait on him. Um, But he comes and he sits down and I'm like, hi, you know, whatever. What can I get you? Cabernet Sauvignon. And I'm just like, okay. And so I go, you know, get him his red wine, um, his house cab. I don't know. Like he thinks he's at Ruth's Chris. Um, and I bring it to him and you know, they don't need anything right then. They were just catching up and the nice old couple that he was meeting with is like, Oh, this is our server Dennis. And, um, you know, just like trying to say this guy's running for Congress. And he says, oh, I don't need to meet somebody like that. And I don't know if he was talking about me being visibly gay or me being a server. But either way, I was like, okay, well, you're about to be out of a job, Mr. Congressman or whatever. So maybe you do need to be meeting some people, shaking some hands, but don't touch me. Um, And that doesn't really, there was no justice about it. I lit a candle and... And he did lose uh, his race, so I guess that is kind of justice. <laughs> but I just wanted to point it out that if you, if ever, or if you know, he hears this, I want to let you know: have a better attitude because you're an adult, not a baby. When you say lifted boots, are you talking about cowboy boots with like a big heel? With heels. Oh, he's short. Well, that's. I mean, and he's, he's the same height as me. Very self conscious about it. So. Oh, I fucking love it. Spicy. Okay, so that's the proper blend of politics and restaurant industry. That's good. We Venn diagram that one. What about, if we change tracks for a second, this is a question that your friend brought up the other day. She's talking about um, the emotional weight of, it's like there's an emo, it's emotionally taxing to continually have a smile on your face even when you're like, yeah, I'm doing fine, how are you? Um, is, that, is that something that registers? Is that true for all y'all? Yes, 100%. It's yeah, it's really hard when you're like really stressed and you have all these tables and you have these people that you're like your whole job is to please them. Your whole job is to give them a good dining experience or whatever. And like it's kind of a lot to put on that face all the time. Like it it after after a while like you can do it for a shift and whatever and it's like okay, this that's fine. That was a tough experience, but like I got through it. But when you do it like day in and day out all the time, it's like wow, this is like this is really dystopian. Like all of this kind of sucks. Like no, not a single person here genuinely cares about me. It's just the service that I can provide. And I think that's a, I mean, I think that's a big issue with humanity these days in general, but in the restaurant business, that's, it's particularly bad. And I mean, it's hard to deal with like how, cause it, 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 there's also a pattern that it tends to feel worse when you do get a chance to actually express those emotions um that you like had a bad day and you had to like stuff it down for forever and like never show that emotion it gets even worse and it'll like just come out in a way that's completely disproportionate to what the actual distressor was so it's not a healthy habit at all but you have no choice 
Have you ever seen that old Ryan Reynolds movie, Waiting? I think I know the clip that I know. There's a clip that I've seen that yeah. um, I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like that that lady that's like out there, and she's like, <laughs> she's like super nice to him, and then she like walks, and as soon as she's crossed the threshold into the kitchen, she's like, "Fucking bitch, I hate you, fucking hate that bitch," and she's just screaming. <laughs> Where the hell is it? It's going over a half a fucking hour! I told you to be up in a minute! Get out of my face! I'll lose your ticket! What? What do you want? Your bag's a fucking train from ass off! God damn it! I hate them! 20 minutes for two meteoric sticks? This is bullshit! What the hell? They need to get rid of every single one of these lousy cocksuckers. So, how was everything? She walks back and she's like, hi! We're gonna try a little bit of dessert? Yeah. So exactly what happens. Yes. Yes, 100%. No, and one of the... That's how it is. I mean... I, I'm used to it at this point, and I'm just like, I work four days a week, okay? And then I have my nice three-day weekend every single week. It's great, uh, and that really helps with that. But it does, um, I'm not as sweet uh, in real life as I am whenever I'm at work. I'm very nice to my tables, and I'm not. I mean, I'm nice to people, of course, and I always tip great. But um, I, I'm not talkative, you know. I'm kind of more reserved into myself. And whenever I'm at work, I can't always be that way. Um, but I look at as look at it as just an opportunity to learn how to um, control my mindset and say, "Well, I'm about to be here for six hours or twelve hours or whatever," and uh, if I am, you know, in a shitty mood about how I have to smile and be nice to people, it's going to make my day a lot longer and it's going to make it a lot worse. But uh, a lot of my coworkers do have difficulty with that. And I know that a lot of times there are things going on in your life that are difficult to um, put a smile on your face through. But no one wants to go and, like, sit down for lunch and have, like, grumpy guests waiting on them, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things that makes it bearable is, like, when you have coworkers that you can just, you know, commiserate with. <laughs> just, like, yeah, it's like yes. trauma bonding. Like, okay, yeah, no, this was a really <laughs> terrible experience. But, like, you have one, mm-hmm. too. Like, you just had a terrible table that just verbally abused you for 30 minutes. And, like, okay, yeah, no, like, we can get through this together. Yeah. <laughs> and for all of that... Usually, you know, at least once a shift or whatever, I'll have a table that was just an absolute delight and was so sweet and, you know, said something that made my day. That happens just as often, um, I think, as I get people who really turn my day upside down and just piss me off. Usually that comes when I get a bad tip. (laughs) Usually I'm just like, oh, really? Really? Yeah. No. One 5%. time I had a, a table of uh, like middle-aged people and they had like an infant with them. Um, and I was like 17. I had, we were short-staffed. We had two servers for the entire restaurant. I had half of the restaurant in my section and it was almost completely packed. And this table, I did extra for them. They could see that I was slammed and that we only had another server. I'd like apologize to them. They still, at the end of their meal, instead of tipping me, they didn't tip me anything at all they wrote on the back of the paper placemat that we put on every single seat and said tip money get a different job oh Oh my god 
I was wise, like, you, wise advice. Like, I can't even believe it just happened. I was like, I couldn't even cry. I was just stunned. I was like, that is remarkable. Yeah, that's incredible. <laughs> what I just tell myself in a situation like that is, wow, you must just be so unhappy. Right. Mm-hmm. With your life. Yeah, because like you have to, you have yeah, to get you your shit together. That and it's gigs. your job to tell someone who's at their job to get a different job. Right. Thank you for the tip. I would, I would really love <laughs> to get a different job. I promise you. Unfortunately, yeah. it's not an option. Would have been able to do it if you tipped me twenty percent or more, though. Maybe exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Maybe been able to go towards my college fund. Exactly. And I was like, <sighs> you, I'm like visibly young. Like I, at the time, I was literally seventeen years old, and they. That, I'm not a person that looks like 25, but I'm actually 17. I, it was very clear that I was 17 years old. <laughs> okay. countries really European countries handle serving um, they really they up the pay uh, for servers and for any employee of that restaurant they have like a decent livable wage like a like a like how we strive for $15 minimum wage in the United States they have that and they also get tips on top of it but tipping also isn't as common over there um, it seems like um, depending on which country you're in because people know that they don't uh, that these servers aren't subsisting on the money that they tip them above the actual price of the bill. Um, how would that change your perception of your job, your, your, your enjoyment of your work or your desire to do the job at all? Um, if you were paid like a flat minimum wage. I mean, I think it would definitely help because like the job that I have now, I'm paid a pretty fair wage. It's, it's definitely not $15, but it's definitely a lot more fair than, Two thirteen an hour. Um, yeah. And that definitely helps with like the bad things that happen at my job. It's like, okay, well, I'm being compensated for this. Like, yeah, this might suck, but I'm being paid. And it, it, it kind of goes in the pros column along with like all of the good things about my job. And there were good things about my restaurant jobs too. There were, I like, I made a lot of friends that I still have that I still talk to. And I've been out of the business for a few years now. Um, I'm still really close with some of the managers that I worked with. Um, so I think having a fair wage would make all the difference because it's like, it's a lot easier to, be genuinely positive instead of just putting on a face when you know that like this isn't the worst thing that I could be doing like I'm actually there's a there's a benefit here but in most cases currently in America there's not a benefit at least not a huge one (laughs) yeah it really depends on the restaurant you're working like I said I worked at multiple different restaurants and I found that there's one that really pays me really well and it's not because I'm doing anything illegal it's because I just make good tips there I've worked at other places where they do a tip share and you know they have sections and one person is has a slow section or two people have a slow section and you're working all night long but then you have to give everyone your money but at the particular place that I work I mean I make a very decent wage uh, if you 
split my weekly earnings out. Um, it's it's good. And I mean, just the same as what you were saying, that, that goes in the pro column. Mm-hmm. You know, whenever I get to leave with like sometimes $60 an hour, I'm just like, okay, well, could have been hard. My feet might hurt, but... I'm going to go deposit this money in the bank, you right. know. And- yeah, at the end of it, it was worth it. Yeah. And like, I didn't have a lot yeah. of, like a lot of the shifts that I worked, there wasn't that kind of like, okay, this is worth it. There were a few times. And most of that time was when I was a hostess and I was getting uh, like $9 an hour, which was pretty good for a hostess, um, especially in this area that I was working in. And I was getting to-go tips and we had really nice to go tippers so I would make really good money and that was like everything about my shift was worth it (laughs) most nights but when I was a server there was just never like I didn't work in any restaurants that I felt like at the end of it it was like oh that was worth it because usually if I did make really good money it was kind of a traumatic experience (laughs) yeah it's almost like getting paid a proportionate amount for the amount of labor that you do uh makes your job more enjoyable if we were to take it further, like a minimum wage in Europe or whatever, if you were to uh, work in a, in a cooperatively managed restaurant where there wasn't necessarily like a boss that hires or fires or that goes and like ruins your day, that you could all the servers could get together and be like, we want that person off the island, and they no longer get to partake in the um, in the wages that you guys provide that you generate with your labor. Um, or you can decide to hire someone or you can decide to, I don't know, expand the kitchen. If the kitchen needs to be expanded, you guys agree on that collectively and you can make it happen. Is that, would that seem like too much trouble or was that desirable? Is that interesting at all? One of the things I like about my job is that I get to just leave it when I leave and not think about it. Mm -hmm. But Potentially, you know, if I knew that it was going to work out and I don't know, maybe. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it definitely sounds like an attractive option. I just, it's one of those things that it's like, if, since I haven't worked in it, I don't know what, like I haven't worked in that situation. Mm -hmm. I don't know what downfalls there would be and like what drawbacks I might have because like, I, I know a lot about working in this kind of situation that we have in America right now with the serving industry and all of that. Um, but I just don't know enough to know, but it definitely sounds like a nice option. It sounds like a much more like fair and balanced way of running a restaurant. That's like, everyone's kind of in it together. Like for real, everyone's in it mm-hmm. together, which isn't really a common narrative. Well, what about if it was uh, collectively owned and, um, wages were scalable. So, uh, if you were, when you were hired, you were written in as co-owner of the restaurant rights. And, and so you would own, I, don't know, I mean, without the definition of ownership, there's a bunch of different ways to do it. But basically if that restaurant makes a bunch of more money, like it gets listed in a magazine or reviewed or like, um, gets called like the new hot spot in town and everyone, um, starts to know about it. They start getting a lot of influx of customer base your wages would reflect the increase in business. So every like percent increase in the bottom line of that restaurant that the general manager and the owner is seeing would be commensurate with the increase in your wages. So like if that restaurant's doing great and you guys are doing a great job um, preparing and serving the food and taking care of customers, like you generate a bunch more money that way, you would be able to have more money as a result of it. Labor, the amount of labor you put into it would generate more income for you. 
I say let's do it. Yeah. Well, I always pull my weight on a ship. One of the things that was like depressing to me was like, and why I started to feel like it wasn't worth it to keep working in a restaurant is like at the end of the day when I would like count the register and stuff, like I would see like how much money they made that day. And like then I would see how much I got every other week in my check. And I was just like, like something's not right here. I think like what you're describing, like if the profits are so high, like everybody else would get to have an equal share of that would be a good thing. I agree. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That definitely sounds like a fair option. Just because, I mean, the way that it currently works is just because one person had enough money to build or renovate the building and put together all of the like business aspects of it. They forever get all of the profits. And if I make $1,000 a week, they make 15,000, you know, and well, good for them, I guess. Yeah, if someone has really has the not even enough money, they just have the credit score. Yeah. That they need <laughs> to, to get a loan debt, to yeah. start the business. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then okay, they assume the risk, but like do they does that mean that they get to take all of the product of your labor and pay you nothing despite your increase in labor put into the system? It's like Yes, that's because that's the American way. That's the only it's the only system there is. There's <laughs> no the other way. Things. <laughs> the so if you were to pair cooperatively managed and collective ownership together um what that would look like is i think just if i was going to take it one step further before we have to wrap up here it wouldn't just be scalable wages so if, you, if the restaurant starts making a ton of money like they're the new hot spot in town they're bringing in a bunch of money bringing in a bunch of new customers your wages could increase but the collective or the cooperative management part could be like okay we have a bunch more money do we put it into expanding the kitchen do we expand the seating section so we can like invest in the expansion of our business and bring in more money for ourselves later or do we just say no everything's fine we're going to increase our own wages um, and we'll do really well these next few months but we won't make any further investments Um, I think if you do those two together does that sound like what's your impression of that too much work or I think too probably realistically too much work for the people who are looking for a restaurant job Mm -hmm. you would have to find a large group of like 50 people who would be able to at least I mean at least 50 people depending on obviously the size of the restaurant but you would have to find a good group of people who are willing to commit to that because there is a lot of turnover in the restaurant industry I think it could be and I, it doesn't wouldn't just mean that servers are sitting there and they have additional duties as accountants and general managers and like ordering agents or whatever you, you call them. Uh, they would be servers as co as uh, co owners like cooperative owners, but you'd also have like an accountant and a managerially experienced person that's also doing the general manager duty, and they would all share together. Um, so you could have like that. It would just have a vote. You would have a say. Like all the servers get together, say like, hey manager person we all vote that we need to expand the kitchen so that's the decision expand the kitchen and they would be like all right cool like group decided we're expanding the kitchen is that a workable concept for y'all or does it pass the smell test seems like yeah no i mean i like it i if i had to go back into the restaurant industry i would definitely want it to be in that kind of situation 
where instead of what I mean, instead of the current situation, because I don't think it would be nearly as bad as what I like what my experience has been in the past. Yeah, yeah I mean, because right now you don't have any say in those kind of decisions. Mm-hmm. Like you're just at the mercy of whatever the boss wants to do. Right. And the employees are the ones that kind of get a feel for like what really needs to change. Like, yeah. They like servers can really see like this is not a thing that works. Why are we still doing this? And to not have any way to actually get that across to a manager, like this would make everything run smoother because they're the ones that are doing it. That's that's definitely kind of infuriating <laughs> to like see something that you could change that would make things um, better and not be able to have any influence to carry that out. Okay, well, um, I'm fascinated by all of this. I think a lot of people will be as well who are, have been on the front lines of the restaurant industry, you know, fighting the good fight day in, day out in the trenches. Um, but what's the verdict um, for y'all? Uh, like, is serving a good job? Is the restaurant industry worth keeping around? Like, overall? Are there some parts that are good, some parts that are bad? Like, what are your closing thoughts? Yes, but only because I really like going to restaurants myself. <laughs> Fair enough. I, like, we're about to. Yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely, yeah. I mean, I think restaurants are a good thing. I think it's a good, like, I think it's a good thing for people in the community to be able to go and get food and, like, have a nice kind of dining experience. I don't, I think that that's worth something. Um, but I think it just needs to be reformed, I guess. <laughs> and, like, people just need to stop treating employees like shit and, like, the scum of the earth because that's not what it's about, you know? So working conditions in the restaurant industry are, are leave a lot to be desired. But the actual process of breaking bread together is something we need to keep around as a society, you think? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Except for um, former home, hopeful congressman. <laughs> Just stay home. <laughs> <laughs> I think that sounds good, too. So cooperatively managed, you can kick people out. That would be cool. You'd be like, yep. you know what? Uh, we don't like you. Um, fuck off. Right. Banned eternally. <laughs> there was a luck. There was a place in, was it Florida? They had a little pit bull that would sit by the door and he would just, I mean, he was old and he like wouldn't move. He would just sit there. And if the dog didn't like you, he was like co-owner. So he just, they were like, hey, dog doesn't like you. Get the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's good. Because that would keep away like um, aliens as, that are imposters of human form. I think that's too, dogs can usually tell that. Um, they can also tell if you're possessed by an evil spirit or if uh, you're just kind of a fucked up person. If you tip below... 20%. Dogs can always tell. <laughs> yeah. Mandy, what about you? I mean, that sounds like the ideal like bouncer scenario. But maybe not a pit bull. <laughs> a sholo, preferably. Hairless dog. <laughs> but I, I want to end with like a funny story. All okay. of us. Like your best like story, which mine is probably like when I was working in a cafe and like Someone's like, oh, I've never, a customer's like, I've never seen you working here before. Like, I was like, well, yeah, I just started like a couple weeks ago. And she's like, oh, well, what did you do before? And I was like, actually, I was in the military. I just got out. She was like, oh, which military? And I was like, the army. And she was like, which army? And I was like, the United States army? She was like, oh, okay. (laughs) You look like you were in the IDF. I don't know what that means. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, my grandparents are Jewish, but, like, I don't. Um, so, funny story. What do you got? I don't know. A lady smoked a cigarette in the bathroom in secret the other day. That was pretty funny. <laughs> One time, a lady, I don't know, people just do crazy shit. They get too comfortable. One time, a woman 
was smoking a bong in the bathroom and accidentally broke it, dropped it and broke it. That was funny. <laughs> but but she really liked the food. I don't know if she was actually even a customer there. I think she was just walking around lo- loitering and smoking in the bathroom. Oh, that's even better. <laughs> um, I think my best story... <laughs> so fucking messed up uh so i the family restaurant i worked at we served alcohol there and uh one woman was she got indecently drunk and she she literally shit her pants on the chair in the dining room hey oh my god amongst us (laughs) okay we just watched we just watched bridesmaids that reminds me But it wasn't the restaurant. Oh, no, no, no. Lillian, oh, no. where are you going? I need a bathroom. No. Oh, no. Oh, no. No, where are you going? Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. What are you doing? No. It's happening. It's happening. It's happening. It happened. do have a funny story we and this might be too specific we um at the restaurant that i worked at prior to covid they every tuesday i was off due to this uh and they had a an event every tuesday evening which was called kilt night (laughs) so a bunch of like old white people would come in like kilts and do like read poetry i mean like i don't know sometimes i play bagpipes it was like really um like nothing i've ever experienced before in my life i and not in a good way at all Uh, these people are terrible the worst i mean they come in they don't tip they're there all night they take up a whole room and um the main guy was this older gentleman, uh, um, really awful, awful man. Um, and he would always come in and he's the worst. And, uh, he's old. He's like in almost 80. Right. Uh, and one night after they had wrapped up with their kilt night, um, one of the servers who was picking up the room, poor girl, not the brightest, uh, there was something on the seat and the seat that like was at the head of the table where he had been sitting. And she swipes it up with her finger. She thought it was guacamole and puts it in her face. Smell it. It is human feces. He has been coming in with a kilt, no underwear, the whole entire time, apparently. Anus on the chair. And he <laughs> shit on the chair and left it. He didn't say anything. Um, like a bird on a rail. Like a bird. <laughs> exactly. He may not have even known that it slipped out. But... Was he was he playing the bagpipes? Was he, like, blowing really hard and, like, something came out the other No, round? he was uh, sitting. You have to. I think you have to be standing to do the bagpipes. Yeah, I guess so. I just anyway, want to say I feel for um, these people. I don't know why that's your... For, I don't know why her first instinct was to, to, touch to, it, to put it in her face. 
Um, but thought it was guacamole. Yeah. And then <laughs> well, know, but she they it actually and then they had won. to send out uh, an email to all Kilt Night participants saying like, wear underwear, <laughs> literally. <laughs> like I'm not kidding. <laughs> What you said you feel for these people, Mandy? Yeah, I've shit myself in a restaurant before more than <laughs> once. Yeah? Directly onto you the ableists. seating surface? <laughs> no. And I also promptly left because I was mortified. No. Is that all we get for story time? Or I think that's Is that it? Well, I've shit myself anymore. as both a customer and employee at a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh, I keep thinking it's like this is happening. Oh, it's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing it. Uh, oh my god! Yeah. Well, um, I don't know. Good episode, y'all. I think this is uh this is informative. This is good as a green replacement. New recruit to the uh, the working world, hearing uh, grizzled, hardened veterans of the great war on hungry Americans. I think uh, I've I've learned a lot from uh, you sharing your war stories and your experiences. Um, anyways, uh, to close out, we're uh, basically seeing, like podcast management, some housekeeping stuff. We are seeing kind of like a plateau and like a spike as we're shattering this plateau. We're trying to sustain this uh, uh, growth of listenership and the size of our audience. Things that really help with that are a thing you can do if you want to help us out. If you ever liked our show or any of the things that we share, um, Apple Podcasts is really like the king of all podcast platforms and that's really where the majority of people listen to this um, listen to this podcast and it's where a bunch of other platforms pull the podcast from. So, Liking on Apple Podcasts, subscribing on Apple Podcasts, leaving a five-star review, and then also writing something in that review. That really projects us into uh, the Apple Podcasts algorithms that get broader viewership. So if you want other people to hear what you heard today and have heard in the previous 25 episodes, um, please do that. You can also subscribe on Spotify as well. That's the other major platform. And then also following us on Twitter. We're trying to improve our social media presence uh, and Twitter's fucking hilarious for that because you just can say like hey we talk shit about you so following us on twitter at pillow screen pod we couldn't make the we couldn't say pillow screen radio it's too many letters but at pillow screen pod is uh where you can find us and we always put news out and we're just kind of improving our presence there if you if you like us if you like our content you want to help us grow help us get a bigger audience and 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 grow along with us um do those things please um, it helps us a lot. And then also just hit us up on Twitter. If you want to come on the show, I've already met another couple of people that are coming on the show pretty soon here. If you uh, reach us out, reach to reach out to us on Twitter, uh, we'll, we'll respond. We uh, are family sized and can definitely uh, carry on conversations and have a good time. I want somebody um, to leave a, a review that says, here's a tip, make a better podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure someone will. <laughs> What was the one? There was someone that told us how to normalize audio and audacity because they're basically like, hey, look, good content, terrible production. <laughs> and I was like, okay, thank you. Like, you got it. Yeah, I'll take, I'll take um, an honest yeah. critique. Honest critique. We, yeah, we're down for honest critiques. Yeah, actually, you could just spike our podcast. Just give us all one stars. That's cool, too. Like, it's a, you know, that's a, the way the system's designed. Um, but yeah, uh, thanks for listening, y'all. We're, uh, we'll be back next week. 
looking forward to episode 27. But anyways, till then, you say it. I'll cut me out. Outro say music. <laughs> All right, there you go. Stop it. Okay. All right, three, two, one, stop.